Look in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, that'll be a good starting place. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we'll start at verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether the weather shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. I'm looking here, there, uh, those first six verses, but there in verse ones where we're actually starting, and it says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, we're making an application in this text, okay? And the application is that the bread here for our sake tonight is the Word of God. Amen. The bread is the word of God. And the waters are the, are the sea of peoples upon planet earth. Amen. Now, the preacher brought some of that out. I remember hearing him talking about the sea of peoples. Uh, you know, when, when I went to the Philippines, I saw some in Mexico, but I, I really I saw a little bit in Philadelphia when we were in Philadelphia. But I really saw it in the Philippines just just... Hordes of people everywhere. Just, especially we're in Manila and even some of those other cities. Just, uh, you know, I mean, just hordes of people. A sea of people. Amen. Okay. And Brother Mike Gibson, he started us out uh, helping us to realize that a lot of these are going to die and go to hell. Amen. That, that, he said every three seconds. I, I, I was looking up some of that too. And, but you, if you do the math and uh, try to figure that out, at who, you know, how many die each day? How many die each week? How many die every month? How many die every year? And I mean, they're, you, you've heard the expression, they're dropping like flies. Amen. Okay. Now, here's the challenge. If we're going to, Cast our bread upon the waters. Uh, in other words, getting the word of God to them that they might have some hope of not perishing. Trust the Lord as their Savior. Then there's a couple of things we have to do. Number one is we have to change our perspective. We, we have to visualize the sea of peoples. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty where sometimes, you know, I'll see people not even think about that they have a soul. 
Amen. Uh, there's a whole world full of those. So we have to change our perspective, how we view them, how we see them. Amen. A lot of times, uh, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, now I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but, uh, you know, um, I grew up the 60s, uh, uh, the Beatles and all that was coming in. And, uh, but, uh, you know, if I'd have come home looking like one of those, my, my dad would have grabbed some shears or something. Uh, I mean, I wasn't allowed to look like that, amen. But what, what's sad is to see these people and, and sometimes all I see is what repulses us and how they've disfigured themselves and, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. When in reality, we need to see them as souls perishing. We gotta, we've gotta change our perspective. I think about where the Lord, uh, he went there in John chapter 4, when he went to Samaria. He, he didn't go there to sightsee the, Jacob's well. He, he went there because there was a sinner woman coming that needed a drink of living water. Amen. And, uh, boy, after she drank of that water, that changed her whole life. But then you read after that account, where Jesus is basking, satisfied, how that woman drank of the water, rejoicing in it. And the disciples come back with some meat for him to eat, something for him to eat. And he tells me, he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And then he goes on in that same passage and tells them, we hear this in missions conferences, it might be quoted this week or even used as a text this week. But where he, t- he says, uh, he says, say not ye there yet four months until harvest. He says, he says, he says, lift up your eyes and look and see the fields white already to harvest. Amen. See, this thing about missions, you won't fall into it. It won't be something you'll accidentally take up. Uh, you won't cast your bread just haphazardly. Amen. Uh, you're going to have to change your perspective and see the fields white under harvest. Uh, when you think about it, adjusting our, our perspective, uh, you know, how do you see it? Here we have a glass of water. And that's the preacher's water. And it's almost full. But if that glass of water was just halfway, there'd be some that would look at the glass of water, and you know this, They'd say the glass of water is half empty. And there's others that would look at the same glass of water and they'd say the glass of water is half full. See, it's a matter of perspective, how you look at things. We need to change our perspective. We need to readjust how we, how we see things, adjust our perspective. Now, what do you mean? Well, number one, when you think about adjusting your perspective, the first thing we need to do is we need to we need to see that sea of people, those waters of people. We need to see them as precious. Amen. Our Lord saw them as precious. He saw you and I as precious. Amen. Uh, so precious that He gave Himself on the cross of Calvary. You know, there throughout repeatedly in the Gospel of John... 
He says, I come to do the work which my father sent me to do. And that work was Calvary. His perspective was he was going to Calvary for, because of the sea of peoples. Uh, he, he saw those as souls perishing without the Savior. Amen. Uh, without a means of redemption. Dying in their sin. So we need to see them first of all as precious. So precious that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then secondly, we need to see the fields as not only as precious, but we need to see them as precious. I'm, I'm sorry, not only as precious, but plentiful. Yeah. Amen. There's sinners everywhere. Right. It's like that old McDonald's jingle. Here a sinner, there a sinner, everywhere a sinner, sinner. I mean, there's sinners everywhere. Amen. I, I mean, they're all around us. They deliver goods to your house. They, they bring the mail. They, uh, you, you meet them at uh, Walmart. If you go through the line, they check your groceries. If you don't use that one, you help yourself to. But there's usually one watching you there. Amen. And uh, I mean, everywhere. There's people everywhere around about us. We need, we need to see the harvest as, as plentiful all around us, everywhere. Amen. But then also, adjusting our perspective, and here's the, this is important, and I've already mentioned it, we need to see them as perishing. Where's a where's lost person go when they die? Ecclesiastes tells us the grave doesn't end it. Man's not like a dog. Not like an animal. When God breathed, uh, the breath of life into Adam. Adam became a living soul. And that soul lives on. Brother Jimmy will sometimes lead us in that song and in the chorus where it talks about where the soul never dies. We're going to see him as perishing. Uh, so many people said, well, well, leave them alone, you know, don't bother them. They've got their way of life. But if we don't bother them, they'll die in their sin. Be, there is no excuse when it comes to this thing about you have to be born again. Amen. There, there are not alternative ways to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one... No individual comes to the Father but through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I preach a message on the road. And uh, the old timers used to preach on hell. Brother Mike Gibson here back a few months back brought a message on hell. Boy, it was powerful. Affected everybody. But the old timers preached on hell. Uh, They were known for preaching on hell. But I preach a message there in uh, Matthew's Gospel where, where they're crying out, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Yeah. And in thy name done many wonderful works and so on. The saddest words ever yet to be spoken is the Lord's reply. It doesn't matter what they've done. 
Doesn't matter how many good works they performed. Doesn't matter what tenet of faith they've held to. The Lord looks at them and says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. I never knew you. The sea of peoples, the multitudes, living their life, not even realizing anything about there's a way of escape, are going to hear the Lord say, Depart from me, ye cursed. Sad words. Well, we need to adjust our perspective. But then, secondly, we've got to, if we're going to cast our bread upon the waters, we need to eliminate our excuses. You ever notice how it's quiet on, when you're preaching on missions? Hey, man. Boy, you get to preaching on anything else and you'll get an amen, a hallelujah. And yeah, but you get talking about missions, that's where the rubber meets the road. Amen. We've got to eliminate our excuses. You know, the old devil's good at giving us an excuse. I think about uh, that song Harold Leake wrote. Excuses, excuses. You'll hear them every day. Amen. When it comes to missions, you don't have to look far. There'll be an excuse. Amen. Look here in the text. Ecclesiastes 11. It says there in uh, verse 4, it says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. See, excuses. Now, farming was a different industry back then. It was more of the family farm, it was more of the Existence of the family, uh, far, you know, to put in a crop. But a man that was always testing the wind, and if it was too strong, he wouldn't go out to sow. Uh, come harvest, he'd have he'd have no crop. But what's what's uh, when you think about farming back then? They relied upon the wind to help them sow their seed. You go out, you know, especially through these big farming states, and you and you see these this equipment that's bigger than the highways, amen. And they're folded up, and they let them down, and I mean they're monstrosity things, and they can they can sow so much seed in one swipe, but. You know, when they broke the ground, I'm talking about back in these days, when they broke the ground, that sower, you could see him pictured with that bag of seed upon his, over his shoulder, and he'd be throwing his seed out, and the wind would actually help him to sow the seed. But if it was too windy, he wouldn't get out there for fear it carry his seed to the next farm. Amen. But if he was looking for an excuse, it was there. But then 
the other part of that is, he that regarded the clouds shall not reap. When the crop came in, you, you couldn't take it in wet. So it had, to be, it had to be dry to take in the crop. See, but if you check the clouds, it looks like rain can't, can't harvest today. I'm trying to make the point he was looking for an excuse. Hey, man. And when it comes to missions, boy, it's amazing how many excuses we can come up, come up with. Let me show you just three in the Bible real quick. Look, look with me in the book of Judges. The book of Judges. Judges chapter 8. As the pastor would say, look at your Bible. Amen. He'd get us in the book. Amen. But I keep, I keep telling him he's a great preacher. And uh, he was, he was at, he goes to these Bible conferences, and I'll tell him, well, praise God, at least I had one Bible teacher there. <laughs> Amen. And he said, he'll call a name. I said, no, I ain't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. Amen. He is the Bible teacher. Amen. But now, here in Judges, if, if you know your Bible, it's Judges 7, we're going to be in Judges 8, but in Judges 7 is where Gideon has that big victory over the Midianites with the 300 men and the pitchers and the trumpets and, and, the, and the lamps, amen. And he has that big victory. Well, he comes back from that. We'll not read it all. We'll just read what, what I'm looking at. Look at Judges 8 and verse 4. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the three hundred men that were with him faint, yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, what are we looking at? Loaves of bread unto the people that follow me. For they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zelmanah, kings of Midian. And the princes of Succoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmanah now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmanah into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with the briars. See, here, uh, I mean, they're looking for some sustenance. They've already been in one battle, and they're chasing after some others. And they're looking for some sustenance. And these respond in such a way as, you know, I, you want me to give of our bread? Uh, what's the point? I'm, I'm looking at this thought that they're saying, this isn't our battle. This is your battle. You're going after those men. We're not involved in this thing. We've got our own struggles here. We can't afford to be involved in your battle. Amen. And, uh, I mean, people look at missions that way. Well, you know, we're going through things here and we're supposed to send our money. We don't know those men. We don't know what they're going to do with that. 
We've got to give of our bread for these. We know nothing about them. And it's not even our battle. There's an excuse. Well, since that went so well, look in the book of Luke. Look in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And here again, if you know your Bible, in the beginning of here verses, the Lord gives them that model prayer. It's oftentimes referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it was a model prayer. And then he, he pick up the reading there in, uh, with me in, uh, in verse 5, Luke 11, verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three, what are we looking at? Loaves. Lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, and has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door's now shut, and my children are here with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I send you, though he will not rise and give him, uh, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Okay? Now, I'm not looking at that importunity. That's another whole thought. What I'm looking at here is the man who's laying in bed. I mean, uh, this fellow comes and I need bread to put for these that are coming. I've got to have some bread for the, to give to these that are coming. And he's, his excuse is, we can't be inconvenienced for you. That's your problem. I mean, it was early hours of the night. Why are you bothering us with your problem? You know, he's... Uh, the timing's wrong for him. Uh, he, you know, he, he doesn't want to be bothered with it. And then he even throws in, you know, I've got children my, of my own. You want me to give, you know, Susie's going to need racers. And we're saving for Johnny's college fund. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to need tires on the car pretty soon. And, and uh, our washing machine is 15 years old. And, and, uh, yeah, but you, you want to, you want to inconvenience me now, uh, to give you my bread? Well, when it comes to missions, the old devil tells you, you know, you've got some things coming up. Boy, in this age we're in, with the uh, government we have now, we've all got some needs coming up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, just a dozen of eggs. I remember when Barbara was buying eggs for less than a dollar. Uh, of course, some men go around that and raise their own chickens. They mad. But uh, we're complaining about the price of eggs. I remember when you could buy a gallon of milk at uh, these stores for about a dollar. Yeah. That wasn't all that long ago. 
I, I remember where I could get gasoline, and it was like a dollar sixty-nine up here in Ardmore. You remember those days? It wasn't that far away? Amen. Uh, we're all facing some things. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Amen. And uh, hey. I've learned and you've learned if you've lived long enough that God always comes through when there's the need. Amen. Yes, sir. You cannot hoard yourself. You'll keep things back and uh, you need to do as God leads you and I, you can mark it down. God always comes through. Amen. But we can't be bothered. we got too many needs here. Yeah, we're trying to put up a building out here if the weather ever cooperates with us. And, uh, but you could get to thinking, you want us to increase our missions and we're trying to put that building up out there. Well, we'll get that building a whole lot quicker taking on more missions. Amen. 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 There's a few with me. Amen. Well, so, talking about excuses. We're not obligated to give. It's not our battle. We can't be inconvenienced to give. You know, we've got needs here. Look, look at one more in the, in the Word of God. One more excuse. Look at 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. And here's where it's after the death of Samuel. And you, you realize that David had fled from, from Saul. And he sends men now, he sends ten men to Nabal, the Car- Carmelite, uh, to, you know, for some sustenance. And, and uh, look, look here, we'll just read from verse 9 for time's sake, okay? And when David's young men, these ten young men, came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Notice now. Shall then, shall then, shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's men returned, uh, turned their way and went again and came and told David, told him all these things. Uh, here, Nabal the Carmelite. Now, his his attitude was that I've worked hard for everything I have. I deserve all that I have, and who are you to even ask me for it? Amen? And again, it comes to this. I'm, I told you it gets quiet on missions. It comes to this. We don't even know these men. Who are these men? What are they going to do? Well, the, so far we've not been disappointed in anyone God has sent our way. 
Amen. So I'm trusting the, the leadership of the Lord through our pastor that these that are coming now are going to be worthy of support. See, people hear them stories about uh, missionaries where, you know, they're, they're living above the people and, uh, you know, they're not worried about planting other churches. They're living pretty good where they're at. And that Nabal said, how do I know what they're going to do? You know, I've worked hard for this, for them to squander it. I can guarantee you, a missionary, if he's got his motives right, he's not going to squander your monies. In fact, he's, he'll probably go under-supported and still have needs when he gets to the field. So we're looking at excuses. Uh, uh, you know, we can't be obligated... It's, it's not our fight. We can't be inconvenienced. We've got too many needs here. And then after we've worked so hard, we don't even know who those people are to give our money to them. Amen. What's your point? Well, go back to Ecclesiastes. Okay. My point is that you, you've got to eliminate your excuses. Okay. The first thought is you've got to adjust your perspective if you're going to cast your waters, cast your bread upon the waters, then, then you've got to eliminate your excuses. Then this third part is just important. And that is if you're going to cast your bread upon the waters, you, you've, got, you've got to locate your heart. You know, uh, if somebody's heart is into something, it's not hard for them to give. Your children, your heart goes out to them. I was commenting on all the little babies we've got. We've got a bunch and got more coming. That's an unusual thing. God has blessed this church. I go to some and it's all old folks. Some, I've been to some where I'm one of the youngest people there. <laughs> I've been some places where It'd take a miracle of God <laughs> to have a baby. But what are you getting at? I'm saying, you love those babies. And you shower your love upon those babies. How do you do it? You give to them. You've got to locate your heart. Does not the Lord tell us in the Gospels that uh, where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. You're not gonna you're not gonna cast your bread if your heart's not in it. If you do it out of pressure or out of obligation, or you don't want to be embarrassed, it's not gonna last. It'll fizzle out before it gets started. But if your heart's in it, you'll give. Did you ever stop and think that everything in life is a heart matter? Everything is a heart matter. Sin is a heart matter. Sin isn't the action. 
It started a long time before in your heart. Before it's ever manifested in action. I can prove it to you. Uh, You remember in Isaiah 14. Where Lucifer. Where he said in his heart. That he would be like the most high. Did you ever stop and think he was cast out of heaven and he never did the act? It was in his heart. I'll give you another. You remember when uh, uh, the Pharisees and the religious crowd were faulting the Lord's disciples for eating with unwashing hands? And the Lord responded to them, It's not what you put in the body that defiles the body. It, it, he talks about, For within, out of the heart of man, proceeds uh, murder and thefts and all these things. Right. Adulteries. and Amen. So, uh, our, our biggest problem is twofold. One, it's our eyes. But our eyes are the gateway to the heart. And if we're not careful, we'll fill our heart with nothing to do with God. And there'll be no room for anything else because our eyes are glued on the wrong... We're we're viewing the wrong... Concentrating on the wrong things. And it affects our heart. Sin is a heart matter. I'll give you this one too. Salvation's a heart matter. You're not saved by what you do. You're not saved by if you prayed the right prayer. A lot of people, uh, they get they get confused. Did I say the right words? Did I do the right thing? No. Salvation's a heart matter. It's when the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart that you're in lack and you need the Savior. And you agree with the Holy Ghost. And you turn in your heart from who you are and what you can do and the sin in your life. And in your heart you turn to Him. I've heard testimonies you have too. I've heard testimonies that said, said, uh, boy, God was all in that service. I was... I'd been under conviction and they finally got to the invitation and uh, the preacher was giving instruction about coming down. And he said, when I took that first step, boy, I knew before I got to the altar, I was already saved. Amen. Before he ever prayed a prayer, it's when that heart turned from everything else and turned to the Lord. Amen. Salvation's a heart matter. I'll give you another one. Revival's a heart matter. You can go through all the Reformation and it not be revival. You can turn over every new leaf and it not be revival. Amen. Uh, revival's a heart matter. But then that leads to this. And that is, so is giving. Giving is a heart matter. If your heart's in it, you'll give. 
if if you if you know a lot of times we can't we can't adjust our perspective because our hearts filled with too many other things. That's why in, in this in this conference we need to come prepared. The old timers would say you got to be fessed up. You got you got to come ready if God's going to put anything in your heart. Amen. Well, giving's a heart matter. Well, I'm, I'm almost out of time. Let me let me go to one. I'll give you a second main point quick. Okay, the, 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 you've got to you got to just you got to see the fields white under harvest. Uh, but if we're going to cast our bread upon the waters, I hear to you. You know, you have to start with where you're at. A lot of people never get started. You know, when my ship comes in. The preacher was talking about the other night in jest, in jest. But, you know, when I, win the, when I win the lottery, you know, he didn't believe in the lottery. Neither do I. Neither should you. But, you know, if I win the lottery, no, you got to start where you're at. Amen. Well, we're too much like the disciples. Uh, you know, what is that among so many? They, you know, they, they're always around. They. They tell us there's, there's, we're at 8 million, 8 billion people upon planet Earth. 8 billion people upon planet Earth. I don't know if they know that. But they tell us there's 8 billion people on planet Earth. And our, our population's gaining. Every year it's gaining even more. Well, when you and I look at 8 billion people, our, our reaction is, you know, what, what can we do? You have to start with what you have. You've got to start with where you're at. Amen. This thing of missions, it's a faith promise endeavor. Uh, a lot of times we're, you know, you might be in a place where you can give it out of, out of an abundance. But if you, if, you, if you blink too quick, that abundance is gone. And a lot of times we're giving out of faith. Amen. But it ought to be a faith endeavor from the beginning. Amen. Um, I'll give you a couple examples quick. I haven't seen the door crack yet. Uh, you remember Moses? Uh, when when uh, uh, Moses started out there in Exodus chapter 12, that uh, all he had was a rod. It was just a rod, just an old dried up piece of wood, just a stick, just a rod. But then it became the rod. And then it became the rod of God. You say, Lord, I don't have much, just an old stick. Well, if you'll start with that, there's no telling what God will do with an old stick. I'll give you another one. Start with what you have. You remember the widow woman? In in uh, Second uh, Samuel, I believe it is chapter four. Uh, uh, 
where uh, you know her husband's dead and the 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 they're coming for the monies and she has nothing to give. And the old prophet of God uh, asked her, "What do you have?" And she had some pots, and uh, she had a cruise of oil. And he said, "Quit, bar up all the pots you can, and begin pouring oil." Amen. Amen. Our God. Uh, he filled them pots, and when all the pots were filled, then that that vessel of oil dried up. Hey, you know he. Just bring them pots. They got don't have much, but I'm bringing these pots. Good. Put some oil in them. I'm put something in the missions. I was talking about those disciples. They said, "Well, we don't have much, but there's a little lad here. He's got a little lunch. But what is that among so many? But that was the starting point." When that, when that was given to Jesus, my, they fed 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Yeah. It was fishing the hush puppies buffet. <laughs> that little lad was looking at all that bread and fish coming out of his basket. Could you see him going? That's what God can do. Yeah. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. I believe when he went home, the disciples carried them baskets. He jumped up on the porch and opened the screen door and said, Mama, come look quick. All this come out of my basket. What made the difference? He gave it to Jesus. Amen. You know what will make the difference for you and I? If we'll give it to Him. Start with what you have. And then you can learn to trust Him for what you don't have. He's a big God. He, he can do it. You know, this is His plan of salvation for the world. We're just privileged to get to be a part of it. It'll work. I guarantee it. It, it works. Amen. It's been working for 2,000 years. And it'll keep working until the Lord comes. Uh, you and I, we need, we, need to, we need to cast our bread upon the waters. I wanted to point one thing out. I almost forgot. Look, look there in uh, verse 6 of our text. If you're back in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 6, 11, verse 6. He says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether uh, shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike. In other words, get rid of your excuses. Just cast your bread and trust the Lord and it's no telling what God might do. Amen. 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 